Welcome to the Brentwood School Podcast, the place where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about life within the school. This is the place to keep up to date and in touch with our community. So let's get into this episode right now of the Brentwood School Podcast. In this episode, we're heading to Brentwood Prep School to meet its headmaster, Jason Whiskard. We'll find out more about the prep school and what makes it so special. We'll also find out more about Mr Whiskard himself, why he became a head teacher, the inspiration for his weekly blog and what keeps him busy outside the school gates. Let's meet Brentwood's prep school's headmaster, Jason Whiskard. Hello. Hi, Tracy. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Now, you've been at the prep school as headmaster since 2011. So you must know what makes the school so special. Share it with us. Yes, 11 years. It's flown by. It's, it's a special place in so many respects. It's, it's evolved over those 11 years, as you might expect. But fundamentally, the, the pillars of which we're built on remain the same. And that is centrally knowing the pupils. We're a happy school. We have contented pupils. We have a very broad curriculum, as you might expect. We have a huge co-curricular programme. We are very much centred on making sure that the children are are happy first and foremost, that they are stretched academically and challenged, but also that they're known to us. Of course, you know, we're a very large prep school and because of that, we need to work doubly hard to make sure that every child is comes in on a Sunday, a Monday, Monday morning, for example, and tells us about the weekend and the teacher knows about them and may ask, you know, how did you get on at your, your Jim Carner or your, your, your guides or whatever it may be? Uh, I think that's really important that as, as you grow as a school that you don't lose that. We have the most amazing facilities. We are very proud of them. We use them exclusively throughout the school. But they're new to us relatively, so we're making sure that we sweat the asset uh, <laughs> properly and that every child has access to, to them, that they're not the domain of uh, the preserve of the few. Everybody has the opportunity to use the new halls. We've got a lovely new uh, building which is predominantly STEAM-orientated. So that, that's very, very clear to us. We are very much one prep school, three to 11. We're making sure that the youngest children have opportunities to, to work and play with the oldest. We have role modeling going on and that's the same with the staff. We now have one staff room. It's, it's a very cohesive community and one I think where the children and parents feel at ease. Clearly COVID, has, maybe we may come to that in a moment, but that stopped us a little bit but we're getting back to where we want to be and that is a fundamentally happy school with contented pupils. So if I'm a wide-eyed new pupil holding my parents hand gripping it for dear life what do I see? I love kind of imagining what your school looks like just tell me what you see when you first enter the school. First and foremost I hope you see members of staff with a smile on their face welcoming them each morning not only on the first day at school but every day I think you will see a lot of bricks. You'll see some big buildings, which I imagine uh, when I speak to old Brentwoods who come back, they say these buildings were enormous when I was a seven-year-old. <laughs> and they're still pretty big in any, in any respect, everyone's respect, really. But you, you will see lovely facilities. You will see green spaces. You will see some beautiful architecture. But most of all, I think you'll see people with smiles on their faces welcoming you to, your, to, your, to the start of your new school or your school day. So out and about, do you talk about your grounds? Tell me more about that. I always like to hear about the greenery. What have you got outside? The school has a, a road dividing the senior school and the prep school. So that is there. On, e on either side of the road, we have about 35 acres 
of green space. Now that's wonderful in itself. Goodness me, on the prep side of the road, we have various tennis and netball courts. We have a full-size Astro. We have an athletics track and all the pitches you might imagine in, in the key sports all year round. But here's what I'd like to centre on, really. We have the most fantastic forest school in a wooded area, which we're extremely proud of. We have every pupil from 3 to 11 using that space and making sure that they learn outdoors. And that's really, really important. Mm. The, the fundamentals of that are set by the forest school and the ethos of that. We make sure that we do that. Increasingly, we have an outdoor ed programme that augments it slightly differently but we have things like orienteering. We, we just have access to the most amazing space. And we're right on the centre, you know, right just off the town centre. So it's, uh, it's even more amazing in that respect. And I think parents who come and see the school uh, are drawn to that because green space in this part of the world is at a premium. And we make sure that we use it as a learning resource and an asset that we, we use day in, day out not just when the, the sun is shining. <laughs> that must be particularly excellent for well-being after COVID, the ability to get out in the fresh air and really appreciate it. Very much so. I think everyone's had a lot of time to think about the benefits of the great outdoors. We'd started this process of, of forest school with our youngest pupils quite a little while ago now. So, you know, we, we got to thinking, well, if you're a seven-year-old leaving year two in July... What's, what's really changed the same seven-year-old starting in year three in September? That was the, the, the line of which we stopped forest school. So we thought, hang on, that's just ridiculous. So we were able to, to tap into some fantastic teachers and these wonderful resources. And yes, th there's no doubt the benefit of being outdoors, being active, uh, tapping into nature. I mean, I often I do my weekly blog. We might talk about that a bit later on. And one of the blogs I did, you know, the best things in life are free. You've just got to listen and listen and watch and, and look out for these things. They're right here at Brentwood School for the pupils. Now, as headmaster, what motivates you? What, what makes you tick? What makes your day worthwhile? Every day is different. That's an old adage, but it's completely true. We have a lot of moving parts, so I get up in the morning with a set plan. I know these things have to be achieved, but, you know, that's not often the case. Days are different, and I, and I, I enjoy that. I've been a headmaster this for 15 years, so you have to be motivated in that respect. I think I enjoy meeting the people every day. My, my days are busy. I make sure that I have, I'm visible. I make sure that the pupils have access to me. And in terms of getting me out of bed in the morning... I see an early start. I like to work hard. I like to, to set the tone in that respect for the, for everybody. But at the same time, understanding that, you know, set plans mean one thing and the reality of a, of a working day at a busy, busy, busy school can be quite different. But I think that that's an enjoyable part of the job. If you were to imagine someone, I don't know, commuting every day to the same office for 30, 40 years, I don't think they'd have the same experience. That's something that has changed, isn't it? The visibility of, of headmasters, certainly in my day, and I'm showing my age here, uh, you know, a headmaster was only to be sent to. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> I think now in schools, you are so much more accessible, aren't you? Of course, in so many ways. And I think that's really important. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I came into teaching is I'm a people person. So for me, it's really important to have that interaction with people. When we designed the new buildings, I said to the architects, I want to be in a place strategically where I can see everything or as much as I can within reason and I can get access 
really easily to the pupils, to the staff. So my office is placed right in the heart of the school where I can do those things seamlessly. And even when I'm not, when I'm in the office, I'm still visible. So, I, for example, our foundation, foundation class go through to lunch every day, the three and four year olds. And I spend a fair amount of my time waving at them. <laughs> Sometimes sometimes pulling funny faces to them, but they enjoy that and I quite enjoy it too. So and 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 for parents likewise. You know, I'm out there at the end of the school day, the beginning of the school days, I do my duties. I like that interaction and it's really important to just to for them to to understand you as a person rather than just this this figurehead who they get letters from or a blog or whatever wherever it may be in terms of communication. Now, talking more about you, you obviously were a teacher before you were a head teacher. Why did you decide to take the top job, as it were? Things just took a natural course. I, I, I'd had some fantastic head teachers as role models. Right the way back, I started in Croydon in the early 90s under a chap called John Lynch, who went on to be a, a, quite an esteemed head. He was the first black head teacher in Croydon, and he went to work near a home. He lives in Eastbourne, so I had a great role model there. Likewise, at my first independent school job, I saw someone who, who could make a difference. So I was, I was a deputy head at 31 and worked with some great people who just, you know, by the time I did six years of deputy head, I just saw it as the natural thing to do. And, it, and it's an absolute privilege, the position you're in, to make the changes, to make people's lives better, hopefully. And all these years later, I hope, hope I'm making that same impact. Mm. I'm getting a real sense that you love it. But we are going to find out a bit more about you by asking you, if you hadn't become a teacher, what would you have done instead? As I said earlier, I'm very much a people person. And for me, that's really important. It's it's at the core of who I am. I like being with people. I like socialising. I like talking to various people. You know, I'll talk to anyone at any time. You, you just put me on a park bench, I'll, I'll attract <laughs> people or go and find them. So um, that's the kind of person I am. So the career that I looked at in the final year of my degree, the alternative was in, H- in HR, mm. in human resources. So I had a place to do a, a master's degree at Warwick in human resources, but turned it down in favour of PGC. My brother was a um, teacher, is a teacher. So he was my kind of role model and, and kind of sounding board, as it were. And that's the route I took and, and no regrets. I can tell. I can absolutely tell you. Obviously made the right decision. So we're going to go a little bit further back and ask you what your favourite subject was at school and why. I suspect, like most people, I was drawn to the teachers who were able to get the best out of me and enjoyed what I had to say and listen to me. And for us at the school I went to, it was, you know, if for many students, was the history teacher, Mr Wood. Michael Andy Wood, who was just fantastic. He was a wonderful role model, great teacher, good sense of humour. He treated you like an adult when you were in the sixth form. And therefore, it was an easy decision for me to, to go from school to study history as, as a degree. He, he lit a flame, as it were. And there were others before that, I have to say. But if I had to name one teacher, it would be uh, Mr Wood. Isn't it lovely that we do all remember with fondness, a teacher. It's incredible how much difference teachers have to our lives. Couldn't agree more. And I can tell you right now, not far from here, there are some wonderful teachers here at Brentwood Prep doing the same thing. And you, you can tell straight away the level of rapport that they have with the children. They listen to them. They understand them. They respect them at their, their age. And that's really important. And that hasn't changed, I don't think. 
despite everything that's going on in terms of technology, that rapport uh, and mutual respect and understanding is there with the best teachers and the best learners. May it go on forever. Now, you write your weekly blog. Um, you've had opinion and leader articles published nationally, which is very impressive. Where do you get your inspiration and why do you do it? Interestingly, I'm not ashamed to say I'm a bit of a magpie. I will take inspiration from anywhere and, anywhere and everywhere, genuinely. I read a lot. I listen to podcasts. I, do, I read blogs. I, I'll watch a documentary series. I... I uh, one of the main sources for me is obituaries, believe it or not. It sounds wow. a bit morbid, <laughs> but I, I read the obituaries in the Times every day, regardless, because you get inspiration. Sometimes, you know, there, there are some dark things that I wouldn't probably blog or want to write about, but, but you draw some really good ideas and understand how what drives people who have been successful or have notoriety. You understand things from them as I say I read a lot I read quite widely mm. fiction non-fiction so I draw from many sources really but I, 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 as I say I'm quite a magpie I'm not ashamed to say that fascinating it's a bit like I suppose the obituaries are a bit like mini biographies aren't they really very much so that's exactly what they are and uh, there's always an interest you know the historical figures tend to be the ones I enjoy most I'll probably read every word of it but I will certainly skim every member of the daily register as they call it in the times that's a really good hint. I shall follow that up. I like that. So we're going to go outside school now and find out what your interests are outside the school gates. Many, I have to say. As I, as I said, I enjoy reading. I am a, a Swansea City season ticket holder. Uh-huh. Football, I love my rugby, I love my cricket. I have three wonderful children. I have a very supportive and lovely wife who's also in education. So we're a busy family. We like to travel. We like to do all kinds of things, really, as a family, I think, of draw inspiration from them. The, he, the, the one member of the family I didn't mention is our five-year-old Labradoodle, Aww. Mac, who's a school well-being dog. And of course, you know, there's no shortcuts. 6 a.m. I'm walking the dog, come rain or shine. So that side of things uh, are important. But in, t- in terms of other things that I enjoy doing, I'm a massive music fan. I love live music. I love listening to music. Surprisingly, you know, I'm not always down with the kids, as it were, <laughs> but, I, but I, I do like some modern music and I hope to have had some influence on my children's choices and uh, ability to know what's good and bad. <laughs> so this summer we get, we're, we've got a really fantastic summer lined up in terms of live music, so can't wait to get back to that. Well, I was going to ask what the most surprising thing about you that people might not know, but but maybe it's that. Is there something else they might not know? A secret that you hold? I, I suspect, Tracy, very few people know my level of love of music. I'm not a musician. Sadly, I can't even read music. But, you know, I, I'm very keen to follow bands and and get quite into the things like that. I quite often use them in blogs, going back to that, and as an inspiration. So that may be that element. Mr. Whiskered isn't the secret rapper, is he? No, <laughs> no, no. Although my wife did go to the same school as uh, Stormzy, oh, the grime wow. artist from Fountain Heath, South London. So uh, they, they, I, I guess that's my closest link to that style of music. Well, that's a, that's a great fact we didn't know. So now I asked this question to Michael Bond, so there's no pressure at all here, but if you were Prime Minister, and who'd want to be at the moment, but if you were Prime Minister for a day, what's the first thing you'd do? Interesting. I would probably tell the education ministers to, to make more of an effort to listen to the people who are at the chalk face, 
the children, most importantly. I think there's a there's a, still a slight disconnect there. Uh, I think there are certain people who are paid to, to write policies, but there are many more people who are there making sure those policies work in schools. And I think they are the people, if I was prime minister, I would point people towards because you get, certainly children, you get the truth. You get what life is like to be a learner in 2022, all the anxieties, the realities, the pressures, and hopefully the benefits. So that's one thing I would do. Well, that's wonderful. Now, I do believe that we are going to hear from some of your children, who your pupils, who have some questions for you. So we'll... Uh, we'll... Indeed, they are, they are lined up right next door and, and keen to come in. So Mr Whiskard is now faced with some pupils. We've got uh, lovely Kate, who today is dressed as Matilda because it's World Book Day, and Oscar, who's come as a dragon, but we're very glad he hasn't got his mask on, otherwise we wouldn't be able to hear anything but a roar. So I am going to hand over to Mr Whiskard, who is going to be, I don't know, you're going to be challenged by your pupils. So if you want to ask who uh, either Oscar or Kate to ask you a question. Oscar, I believe you've got a question for me. So what is it? Yeah, I was going to ask you, what school did you go to as a child and what was your favourite subject? Right. I went to a, a small primary school in Wales called Llandavery Primary. And for my secondary school, I went to Llandavery College, which is a 11 to 18, or now it's now a 3 to 18 boarding and day school. Not dissimilar to this, but much, much smaller. That's where I went to school. My favourite subject, pro- probably history. Yeah, I loved history. If you listen to this podcast, you'll hear the reasons why. I had a really inspirational teacher who was a lovely man and he made me love the subject. I also loved playing rugby and cricket. So, you know, I know that's important to you, isn't it? So those were my passions, really. Haven't really changed, if I'm being honest. (laughs) So So we've got Kate, Kate waiting very, very patiently here, all dressed up as Matilda. Right. Kate, what question do you have for me? When did you first decide that you wanted to become a teacher? Right, okay, so whilst I was at university, I had some decisions to make, Kate. My brother was a teacher, is a teacher still, and he was a really good role model. We get on it really well, and he was really keen to say, I love being a teacher, you make a great difference to children's lives. So in my final year at university, I had two options. I could have gone to do something called human resources, HR, kind of looking after people in a different way, or become a teacher. And I chose to become a teacher. Both of those things involved a lot of work with people. And I like people. So that's the reason why. Okay. Is that the questions that we had from Kate and from Oscar? Is that your questions? They are the questions, I think. I think we're done. I'm going to spring something on you, Mr. Iscard, and I'm going to ask you to ask Kate and Oscar what the best thing about Brentwood Preparatory School is. So if if we do one at a time, you go first, Kate. I love all the opportunities it has that most other schools don't have, like all the the drama facilities in particular and all the clubs and extracurricular things. Fantastic. Wow, very good. And my favourite thing about the school is that there's lots of really good facilities and especially the sports facilities, there's lots of different options of sports to do. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. Well, Mr Wiskard, we were talking earlier on about pupils and how wonderful they are. And I think that's a very good example to be able to ask your your pupils off the cuff what they like and for them to give such wonderful erudite answers. Fabulous. Absolutely. I'm extremely proud of them. I th- genuinely, that wasn't rehearsed, people. That was 
Uh, off the cuff, um, I, I hope you could ask any of the children. They give you an honest answer. I'd hope it's an answer which, which kind of exemplifies the kind of school we are. And I think both of them did extremely well yeah. there. Well, it was wonderful to speak to you today. Thank you to Oscar and thank you to Kate and thank you to you, Mr. The Whiskered. It's been a, a very, very interesting podcast today. Thank you very much, Tracy. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode and thank you for listening. To find out more, check out the school website, brentwoodschool.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. So in the meantime, don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.